Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 177 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I spoke with a paleontology researcher and fellow Floridian about some of our favorite ancient reptiles. We discussed the archosaur family tree, flower picking, and other crocodilian leisure activities, what to do if you find yourself in the chomping zone, and falling in love at a punk croc concert. Just the Zoo of Us presents American Crocodiles with Alec Baines. This is Ellen Weatherford. This is just the zoo of us, your favorite animal review podcast. And this week, I am very thrilled to be introducing to you a Florida friend. Uh, (laughs) This is Alec Baines. Say hi, Alec. Hey. And Alec, what are your pronouns real quick? My pronouns are they, them, or he, him. My gender is fluidly in that zone. So either or both are fine. (laughs) Thank you so much. And this week, we are talking about an animal that's here that we don't necessarily know is here because I think it gets overshadowed a lot. Partially my fault, I'm sure. I'm definitely a a hype girl for the alligator, so maybe I'm the problem. But (laughs) this week we're talking about the American crocodile. But before we talk about the crocodile, let's talk about Alec a little bit. Uh, What got you into the work that you do with these uh, wild creatures? Yeah, so as a science communicator and paleobiologist, I kind of think all animals, both extinct and modern, are really fascinating in their own ways, as well as being able to talk with people about them. But this group of animals called archosaurs really sparked my interest because I am Floridian like you are. Uh, Archosaurs are a group that includes pterosaurs and dinosaurs, but also their modern relatives, the birds and the crocodilians, which in Florida... You have a lot of birds and crocodilians. They end up in your pool even. (laughs) Um, And you really develop an appreciation for them. You know, now that I've lived outside of Florida, I've really seen how special it is that although Florida wildlife encroaches on a lot of human territory, we also encroach on a lot of theirs. uh, And it gets a lot of mutual respect going as well as understanding and getting to see this giant 10-foot reptile just hanging out in the neighborhood really will get you interested in what's going on in their head. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. I see so many people who are just like really, really passionate about like wildlife science. I feel like Florida is a hotbed for it. Oh, yeah. And it makes total sense. Like you have to check the car window in the morning sometimes to take the tree frogs off. Like it is, (laughs) there's such a strong connection to wildlife, whether or not you choose for it to be in your life when you live in Florida. Oh, it will make itself known. It will reclaim (laughs) that space (laughs) while you're still in it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like a lot of times like a post-apocalyptic like games or movies or whatever, you know, there will be animals and plants that are just like retaking over the human built structures and stuff. And Florida is like, we're not going to wait for the apocalypse, actually. (laughs) We're just going to go ahead and get started. Florida man has already decided that we're living in that and we've accepted it. We're already one with the bog. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to that word that you said, archosaurs. Tell me more about this word, archosaur. So you think about animals being in kind of different groups. You know, when I say a cat, you probably are thinking about a house cat, but technically cats also include tigers, right? Uh, So archosaurs is kind of that big umbrella that includes four but really three different main groups in it so you've got pterosaurs which are the flying prehistoric animals that people think are dinosaurs but they're not actually dinosaurs <laughs> so things like pterodactyl petri yeah petri from line before time uh <laughs> then you've got dinosaurs which nowadays we know also includes birds as a smaller group within it so all birds are dinosaurs but not all dinosaurs are birds and then you've got uh crocodilians which even though they look more like lizards their closest living relatives are birds 
This is mind-boggling to me. And I remember, like, the American alligator was uh, the first animal we ever did an episode on for this podcast. And <laughs> having sort of grown up with a with an appreciation for them, but never really doing a deep dive into, like, their taxonomy or evolutionary history, I guess I had just always been under the assumption that they were just big lizards. And it's really easy to me. I didn't even know until I hit college, actually, uh, that they're in the same group. I was like, well, I like these two distantly related animals. I guess. I was like, no, I actually do really like this group. But the reasons I like both of them is also a lot of the ways that we can see behaviorally how similar they are. Even though they look different on the outside, um, both of them have really high parental care, which is unusual for reptiles. Uh, They make nests. Uh, Their young will sing out to them. I mean, crocodilians will take care of their young multiple years in some species. Uh, You've even seen play behaviors nowadays in living crocodilians. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah! Oh my gosh! (laughs) That's so cute! Uh, It was actually a cousin to the American crocodile. The Cuban crocodile has been confirmed of showing play behaviors, as well as like anecdotal evidence. So kind of people saying that they saw the play behaviors in American alligators as well as gharials, which as someone who has worked with American alligators, I can totally see that happening. I guess I've only ever seen them in an extremely chill situation. You know, like every time I see them, they're just laying there basking, you know, like flourishing, moisturized in their lane, focused. And they're just, I never really see them doing much of anything. What does play look like in a crocodilian? A lot of the same ways uh, that we see it in mammals, honestly. Uh, In the Cuban crocodile uh, example, it was a person, I believe, at a zoo um, that saw one of them that had gotten a ball and was actually just playing around with it, moving it. There was no way trying to get food out of it or moving it out of its way. It was just playing, as far as we could tell, with the ball. And similar stories I've heard about uh, gharials and American alligators with uh, flowers falling into water where they'll just kind of pick it up and they won't eat it. They won't chew it. They'll just kind of maybe toss it around a little bit or nose it. Um, similar to like a cat playing with a cat toy. Oh my goodness. Reptiles just live on so much of like a slower, longer life than we do that it's hard for us to see this because we miss it. We don't wait around to see what's going on. I'm just the thought of a little crocodile just literally picking flowers that's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. All the artists listening, I, I always try to throw in a fan art prompt. That's a good one right there. Little crocodile just picking a little bouquet of flowers. I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, in their um their prehistoric past, there were actually crocodilian and crocodilian relatives uh, that were bipedal, and meaning they walked on two legs, and some that were even herbivorous, meaning they ate plants. <laughs> so maybe there was a prehistoric crocodile or crocodile relative that like picking flowers who knows so the princess and the frog was right oh absolutely with louis the gator that runs around on two feet although i honestly think that with his behavior he maybe should have been a crocodile because american crocodiles are a lot more vocal uh, than american alligators oh now do american crocodiles live in louisiana That is the rub. That is the rub. Okay. Florida is the only place in the world uh, where alligators and crocodiles of any kind share the same habitat. So American crocodiles live from kind of uh, south and starting to become central parts of central Florida even, all the way down through Central America and even parts of South America, I believe. Okay. So you will see them in the U.S. on a sort of a technicality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're just in Florida. We're, We're the special part of the U.S. that got the privilege of having American crocodiles, even though we always seem to forget that they're there. Number one, most crocodilians, baby. Yes. <laughs> National champions <laughs> in number of crocodilians. <laughs> yes. Which is is a contest that I like us winning. Okay, so do the gators and the crocodiles get along? Or is there beef there? Kind of yes and no. Uh, I like to describe the American crocodiles as the spicier of the two. <laughs> they okay. are 
I, I don't like to use the words like aggressive or mean because uh, sure. they're kind of putting human morals and behavior onto the animal. Uh, they have a larger personal bubble than American alligators <laughs> do, um, but they have been seen like basking uh, in the sun on banks together. They do have some overlap in brackish water because American alligators stick to fresh water and sometimes brackish water, which is a mixture of salt water and fresh water. And uh, American crocodiles actually prefer that mixture of salt water and fresh water called brackish water, but can also extend out to just salt water. So they have some overlap. They tend to stay away from each other, but they also aren't constantly having turf wars with each other. It sounds to me like the gators are more the inland sort of like swampy ones. And then the crocodiles are more like along the coast, it sounds like. Absolutely. It's kind of think of... Everglades plus the coast of South Florida. I'm starting to see some reports online. I'm not sure how verified they are uh, that even as far north as Melbourne uh, seems to have some sightings, which wow! it was predicted that with rising temperatures in Florida uh, that they would start to expand their range a little bit farther north. I'm not sure if it's gone quite that far up yet or if perhaps those were misidentifications. But if you're looking for an American crocodile, stick to the coast or better yet, the Everglades, and you're more likely to see one. On the topic of misidentification and identification in general, let's say you're looking at one of these big chunky guys and you are trying to figure out if what you're looking at is a gator or a crocodile. What are some signs you can look for? So the three best ways to tell the difference between alligators and crocodiles are going to be their head shape, their teeth, and their color. So that head shape is going to be much more of a triangle on a crocodile, whereas an alligator, it's a bit more of an oval, gives them more of that puppy dog face to them. So cute. <laughs> Absolutely adorable. It's like the, the a round toe versus a pointed toe shoe to me. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is very much that round versus pointed toe shoe. And then for the teeth, uh, if you see teeth sticking out, um, kind of upper and lower, that's going to be a crocodile. Or if you see teeth not sticking out, or you might just see a couple on the top that are a little bit longer sticking out, that's going to be an alligator. So lots of teeth croc. You don't see them smiling at you. That's an alligator, <laughs> at least with their mouth closed. <laughs> I think of like snaggletooth. Like the crocodile yes. is more like more snaggletooth looking. Yes, they're the ones that need to go to the orthodontist. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they can't contain all the teeth. They're just so full of them that they're just bursting from the mouth. Yes. And then uh, color, which is a little bit more subjective. I don't like to use it as a great way to go by. Crocodiles can have a lighter, more like of an olive or kind of yellowish tinge to their bodies, whereas the American alligator tends to have that darker kind of grayish green to them. But like one person's grayish green is another person's yellow green. Yeah. So I'd say stick with the other two for identification if you can. Also, like a lot of times they're in pretty murky water. So it's going to be kind of tough yes. to get a read on the color anyway. Because they're always going to be like hiding either in like muddy water or like underneath a lot of like water vegetation. So if you're seeing enough of it that you can see these things, <laughs> you're probably already in a tight spot. <laughs> and if they have the mud from the muddy water on them, then good luck finding the color underneath. <laughs> And also, if you see one and you're pausing to think, I wonder if this is an alligator or a crocodile, just go ahead and start turning around. Just go ahead and start walking away and maybe figure it out later. <laughs> Especially if you're close enough to see the teeth sticking out. That's a good warning sign. <laughs> you're a little too close. Did you hear growing up, being someone who grew up in Florida, were you always told to run zigzag away from a, from an alligator? Yes! Yes! Why? Did, why? Where? <laughs> I feel like it's wishful thinking. <laughs> so there, I mean, there is some, there is some truth to like alligators are slower on land. However, until they reach a certain body size when they're adults, uh, young ones can actually gallop, meaning running with all four limbs off the ground. That's spectacular. <laughs> yeah. So if they're a young one, that's really not going to help. And even the older ones they're good enough at turning and they're not, you're not going to be taking such long, sharp turns that it's really going to affect them spending time to turn. That's going to help you out. If you are that close, if you can climb a tree, that's honestly the better solution is climb a tree and wait for them to get distracted by something else <laughs> or just don't get that close, but they do hide pretty well. So they do. Sometimes you're just stuck. <laughs> 
But also, I found in my experience that a lot of times you're not going to be in a lengthy chase with mm-hmm. like a gator or I don't know about crocodiles. You mentioned that crocodiles are a little feistier, but with gators, at least, if you can put like 50 feet between you and the gator, they'll probably be like, eh, whatever. Absolutely. I mean, they're <laughs> the double whammy of reptiles and carnivores, both of which need to conserve their energy. If that reptile is getting whatever energy they can, maybe it's a cold day, they don't have that extra energy to spend on, hey, I need to scare you farther away from my nest, or hey, I'm really hungry and I might be able to take you on as food. Uh, And the other part is that they're a carnivore. Carnivores are wimps. They have to be. (laughs) Uh, if If a prey item, an herbivore, gets injured, they can lie there, hope they don't get taken down, and eat the food around them. (laughs) If a carnivore gets injured, they can't take down food to give their body that extra nutrients and energy to help them heal. They're in a bad way. So they have to kind of be wimps about their battles. You can just run. (laughs) Absolutely. Just get away as fast as you can. Don't think about zigzagging. <laughs> it's going to waste everyone's time. <laughs> it's just so funny that they tell like every kid. That, that, like, yeah. I don't know what kind of folk wisdom this is, but <laughs> we need to stop. Which is wild considering that the entire, what's now a tourist tr- attraction of gator wrestling came from Florida pioneers figuring out how to defend themselves from alligators and crocodiles and get them off of their grazing pastures for their cattle. So how did we get from figuring out how to knock out a 10-foot gator (laughs) to telling kids to run zigzag? Something got lost in translation at some point, I fear. (laughs) So... We're talking about crocodiles specifically today because they don't get enough hype. They're overshadowed, unfortunately, by their gator cousins. So if this is your first time ever listening to this podcast, what we do is we review animals by rating them out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. So first category, effectiveness. This is like how well their body is adapted physically to do the things that they're trying to do. This is a predatory animal. So maybe things that are built into their body that let them catch their prey things that allow them to not become prey themselves, anything like that that's carrying them through to the next day, basically. What do you give American crocodiles out of 10 for effectiveness? I'm going to give them an 8. They have a lot of good adaptations and one big downside. Oh boy. So as we have mentioned already, they're a little bit feistier uh, than some of the other crocodilians. And that kind of helps them out. It's easier to defend a territory from another predator if you're more likely to defend it. Uh, They are apex predators. They are at the top of the food chain. Also makes them incredibly important. I call them kind of the saltwater guardians of Florida, whereas American alligators are the freshwater guardians. So nowhere is safe. Yeah, (laughs) Nowhere is safe from them, but also everything is safe because of them. There you go. (laughs) Because they are the top of the food chain, so they kind of keep everything in balance. They keep the other animals, the herbivores, the fish, things like that, at lower numbers so they don't eat up all the plants and then everyone starves. They're actually really important for uh, nest conservation of birds. In Florida, we have a lot of endangered and threatened species of birds, and birds will actually make their nests near both American alligator as well as American crocodiles. Uh, hang out because even though yeah one of you might fall out of the nest and get eaten overall other animals like raccoons that might climb that tree and get to your nest are not gonna mess with that crocodile especially the crocodile is more likely to go after you than an alligator they even live around mangroves mangroves are really important uh, for young fish to develop a large adult alligator isn't going to go after some small fry, but they might chase off, say, a larger fish that would eat those uh, and eat them as food instead. So they are really good at both feeding themselves as well as kind of keeping the whole ecosystem in check. They also are almost able to see without eyesight. Crocodilians, one of my favorite things about them, and one of the things I'm actually researching, um, are called these dome pressure receptors, oh. or these little organs underneath their skin. Uh, You can see it really well in the hatchlings. It looks kind of like freckles all around their mouth. It looks like blackheads. (laughs) Yes, yes, or blackheads. So either an acne treatment or a cute day out in the sun, (laughs) take your pick. (laughs) But those little dome pressure receptors are these organs that stay within the skin. As they grow, it's harder to see them. They get older with darker colored skin, but they're still there. They can sense a raindrop hitting the surface of the water as easily as one of us could see 
the alligator like coming towards us or someone tapping you on your shoulder. Mm. They are immensely sensitive. And so because of that, even living in murky water, that gives them the advantage of being able to hide from things that could otherwise see them, but they can also sneak up without having to rely on their own eyesight and catch those animals that think they're hidden in the water. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, once they get to a certain size, who's going to be sneaking up on them? <laughs> it does help them get to that size, though. As True. you mentioned, they have really good parental care, and that mama croc has to take care of so many little babies that are really hard to see in the water and are very easy prey for other animals. Um, they can help her kind of track where they are and what could be coming towards them. So it helps them to get up to that larger size where nothing is really going to mess with them, except maybe another... If it's a male crocodile defending a territory, maybe another male challenging them for it. A lot of times with gators, they float like right at the top of the water with their little nostrils and their eyeballs poking out. Rest of the body is submerged. So they're kind of relying on camouflage. And then they wait for something to get closer. And then all in one motion, sort of, they just like burst out of the water, chomp down on something, and then might do like a death roll or something like that. Is this uh, similar to what the what the crocodiles are doing as well? Yeah, they're able to do very similar uh, hunting behaviors. It's more of where they're hunting that's the big difference, as well as they can go out into open water as well. Now, this is interesting to me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to seeing the crocodilians in a more like swampy river sort of scenario. And so imagining one just like swimming out like at the beach, uh, I feel like is maybe a terrifying visual. <laughs> a little bit yes and no. It's the same thing with kind of any carnivore at the beach, whether it's a shark or possibly a crocodile, just give them their space and they'll give you yours. Because yeah. <laughs> like you said, they're a carnivore. They don't want to get into a fight that they're going to lose. <laughs> so this is something else about crocodilians that I've always, it's maybe one of those things that's like a thing you tell kids in Florida once again, but the idea that like they have this really, really powerful bite, right? They can chomp down really, really hard, but that the mouth opening muscles are not very strong at all. And so you get like a lot of times you'll see like videos or something of somebody just kind of with one hand and not even holding that hard. You can just kind of like hold their mouth shut very easily. <laughs> so that's actually a fun uh, Florida tourism tip. A lot of the times you'll see, you know, photos of an alligator and they have like all this tape over their mouth or rubber bands. It's really not necessary. It's mostly <laughs> security theater for you to feel safer because they in general cannot open their mouth. Like you said, crocodilians are really great at closing their mouth. But they kind of put all their eggs in that basket and it takes them a while to open it again. That's actually another good uh, survival strategy if you have a crocodilian coming at you is if you can get it to bite down on something like a stick, at least it'll take a while for it to open up its mouth once it catches up to you. <laughs> You know, they're they're big creatures, but with them being so big, they're also a little bit lumbering. You know, they're not exactly a swift sprinters. Agile in the water, not on land. <laughs> That's true. And so if you can get one out enough on land, now you're on your home territory. Now you've got the home field advantage. <laughs> they're in your house now. <laughs> I like it. Stack the odds in your favor. <laughs> I did mention there was kind of one drawback they have, why they have an eight rather than a ten. You know, there's amazing apex predators. They can go out into open water. They have this strong bite. They are not cold resistant. <laughs> oh, no. And that's why we, they have had a lot harder time coming back from the brink of extinction. In the 1970s, both American alligators and American crocodiles were on the endangered species list. Uh, they were possibly going to become extinct. And through a lot of captive breeding programs, uh, through even a lot of zoos, they were able to come back up in numbers, but alligators have had a lot easier time because you think about Florida, there's a lot of opportunities for salt and brackish water everywhere, but it does get colder the closer you get to North Florida. And American alligators are able to stand a lot wider range of temperatures than American crocodiles can. So they have a lot harder time if there's a cold front coming through. It's going to take them a lot longer time to get back on their feet from that. If they didn't eat before that, or maybe they ate something and it's kind of sitting in their stomach rotting rather than digesting because they're cold, that can really mess with them too. So they have the Achilles heel of not a lot of cold tolerance. Really great saltwater tolerance though. Uh, they're one of only two crocodilians that are adapted to live completely in saltwater. Uh, the other one being the famous saltwater crocodiles that Steve Irwin made famous. Th yeah, those are the Australian ones, right? Yes. 
Yeah, they're really cool. I, I guess I should have asked earlier, but in terms of size, what are the American crocodiles typically looking at? How big do they get? They're around the same size as American alligators, around 9 to 16 feet in length, uh, with adult males being on the larger end than adult females. So they can get real big. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've worked with alligators too long. I'm like, yeah, they're not that bad. They're like 9 to 16 feet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Out of context, that sounds terrifying. But here's the thing with, the, with crocodilian length. They're not wide. <laughs> no. no, they're very much like more pencil shaped than the alligators. Yeah, they're a little more, uh, they're kind of streamlined. So when you're looking at a gator that's like nine feet long, that sounds like a huge number. But you know, a lot of that is snout and tail, right? So it's it's a little less intimidating when you see one in person, you're like, that's what nine feet long looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's not just nine f- feet of just skull. It is Nine feet, including (laughs) head and torso and a very long tail. Yeah. And also they got stubby little legs, too. (laughs) Those stubby little fingers. They're cute. Though they are kind of built tank-like. You know, like they're just like covered in these like bony scales with this really, really tough skin that you can really tell the difference from like lizards, I suppose. And like the skin, the skin is just like impenetrable. And that is one of the main things that really helps them as they're developing. You know, they're young, they have them, they're small, but as they get older, they get much larger, kind of covers a larger part of their body. It also has keratin all over it, uh, similar to an armadillo, another animal we see in Florida, uh, which has bone covered in skin that has keratin in it. Keratin is that same stuff that's in your fingernails, your hair, a rhino horn is made out of it, so it can be really strong. So that combination of those bony tank-like plates called osteoderms. Then they have skin on top of it that has keratin, that really strong stuff in your fingernails and rhino horns. That is a tank of a reptile built there. (laughs) You're not bringing this thing down without a fight. (laughs) No. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of times you'll see pictures or videos or something online of like, maybe a heron or something that has picked off a very, very young gator. But the the window of time that you have to get a gator when it's small enough that you could do something like that is incredibly narrow. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very small. And that, that's also why they probably have large clutches of eggs is not everyone's gonna make it. But enough of them do make it to once they hit around three feet, there's not much else besides maybe another larger alligator or crocodile that's going to come after them. And then once they hit like six feet, no one's really going to mess with them except for territory fights. (laughs) Or maybe perhaps someone that really wants some gator tail that night. Have you had gator tail? I have. It's fine. It is like fishy chicken, and I'm not a fan of fish. (laughs) Exactly what I said. That's word for word, I think. Exactly how I feel about it. It's just, it's fine. You know, like you can have it if you want a gimmick, but like I don't really know people who like eat it regularly. You know, it's not like a, it's like a thing you get to just say you've done it, I guess. And you have to get it somewhere that knows how to cook it. If you Mm -hmm. get it anywhere that's like advertising it at like, a tourist attraction, it's going to be rubbery. It's going to be like rubbery fishy chicken nuggets and no one wants that. No, you got to get it at a fish camp. Yeah, like a fish camp will know how to cook it, but it's still going to be just fishy chicken. No, you got to eat it at a place that's got a dock. Yes. They have boat parking in the back. That's where you got to eat gator tail. (laughs) Yes. If you can go out and see where they're pulling in the gators, that's where you get it. If you can can see the gators from your seat at the restaurant... (laughs) Yes. It's fine. You know, like there's like actual seafood you can eat here that's delicious. So just go for that instead. A great one to go for is lionfish. Uh, I've heard that's really tasty. It's an invasive species in Florida, if you haven't heard about that problem. And it's a good, tasty, healthy meal. And it's helping the Florida ecosystem. And it doesn't taste like fishy chicken. (laughs) And the government is literally begging you to eat lionfish. They're like, please. Please come kill and eat our lionfish. (laughs) Yes. And it's still a cool, like, oh, I'm eating this venomous animal. Like, you still get the street cred for it. That's true. It's still like a novelty. You know, it's still something cool and and exciting and fun. Uh, So eat lionfish instead. Gator tail is just okay. Hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we're going to rate ingenuity and aesthetics for American crocodiles. So stick around. Parenting. It's hard, but don't worry, you're not alone. 
belly up to the low bar with One Bad Mother and let us remind you that fine is good enough. They want to climb on different things. And how am I supposed to keep them both from dying? (laughs) There is a right way to do this. And if I can figure out that right way, I'm going to be a good parent. So that is not a thing. So join us each week and let us tell you that you are doing a good job. You can listen to One Bad Mother on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Bullseye, Tom Hanks, as you've never heard him before, mad. You moron. Thank you for the use of the turn signal. Way to use your blinker, idiot. That's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. So we were talking about how the crocodiles act differently from the gators that they're a little feistier and that the the places where they live are a little different so they behave in different ways i'd love to lean into that i want to talk ingenuity this is the next category we rate animals on this is behavior this is things the animal's doing to solve its problems or or navigate its world these are things that the animal is doing with their body what do you give the american crocodile out of 10 for ingenuity this is where i give it a 10 okay i think that american crocodiles are amazingly adapt and have such unique behaviors and they just get overlooked. So part of that is, I mean, they have the dome pressure receptors, which to be fair, I believe all crocodilians do have dome pressure receptors. That's kind of a given for this group. But that's still kind of like giving them a lot of sensory input. Right. So they kind of have like a little like built-in heads up display. Oh, sorry. You're just predator from alien versus predator. Big whoop. <laughs> like, that's amazing. They also, I mean, that saltwater adaptation, though, is what puts them ahead of a lot of them. Again, only this and one other species from Australia, the land of amazingly wild, scary, weird animals, has this adaptation to be able to live totally in saltwater. Think about how much of the earth is covered in saltwater. That's a really useful adaptation. <laughs> It's funny that like animals that have emerged from the ocean and evolved to live on land, it's now very impressive to have readapted to go back into the ocean. <laughs> That's honestly what some of my favorite animals to look for, look at are called secondarily aquatic, meaning they evolved from something that left the ocean and then said, "Nope, we're going back." So things <laughs> like whales have you know similar like that's a weird body plan because you had to work from you changed everything to live on land and now you're going back (laughs) at least crocodilians they've kind of stayed mostly semi-aquatic throughout most of their lineages but they still have a little bit of that wonkiness to them of like they're not great on land still (laughs) they're much better in the water but they can kind of do land as much as they need i mean they can make amazing burrows uh to help them survive droughts So that's another amazing ingenuity they can do. My absolute favorite thing about them, though, is their courtship behavior that I think is really novel. So in the alligator episode, you talked about water dances with American alligators. It sounds more glamorous than it is, but it's very cool. (laughs) It's like I I like fountain shows at theme parks, so I love water (laughs) dances on alligators. It's the same thing to me. But if American alligators are like, you know, ballet and water shows, American crocodiles go to rock concerts. Oh boy. (laughs) American crocodiles to get the males to get the females attention will slap their heads on the top of the water like they're head banging at a concert. (laughs) Um, If there's another male in the area, they will yell at each other like a death male concert. And then if the female decides, all right, your head banging is pretty good. Let's come over and see how your tunes are. Uh, they will actually call to each other, uh, kind of like a duet. Oh! And then at the end, if they do choose each other, just like teenagers making out at a rock concert, they will actually <laughs> rub their snouts together. Oh, they're so, in love! <laughs> American crocodiles are rock stars in love, and I think that's great, and more people should know about it. That's another fan art prompt for you. <laughs> yes. Crocodile rock stars in love. <laughs> I love it. Are you at all familiar with the new Pokemon games? Yes. Okay, so the new Firestarter, Fuecoco, his final evolution, Skeledurge, is kind of a punk rock crocodile. (laughs) 
It is, and it's based on music. Oh my gosh, this is it's a Pokemon game vaguely set in fantasy Spain, but that's an American crocodile on fire. <laughs> and he's beautiful. We yes. love I mean because we had already kind of uh we had already kind of had our bases covered with Crocodile back in Gen 5, and now they're back for more. <laughs> I want there to be an entire team selection of crocodiles for me to make a team from eventually. We've only got for alligator crocodile and now skeledurge those are the only ones i know of we're halfway there i know throwing the bird cousins for now but we're <laughs> gonna get a full team eventually oh my gosh i'm glad you mentioned birds again because i want to go back to something from ingenuity for i don't know if this is something that crocodiles have done but earlier you were talking about how birds make nests near like alligators and crocodiles because they know they're kind of covered right they're like oh i've got a little bit of like bodyguard action from this much larger predator something that i may have mentioned this during our alligator episode i don't know if crocodiles do this too but what they would do is put nest materials on their head and then wait for the bird to come grab it for the nest and then they're like gotcha I haven't heard, I've heard about it for alligators. I haven't heard about it for American crocodiles. I have a feeling it might be that kind of feisty versus less feisty temperament where maybe the American alligators are kind of patient enough to mm. watch and wait for that and not react to other things around. Whereas maybe the American crocodiles just don't have the patience. Don't take my word on it. I haven't tested it out, but that <laughs> is my guess on that is American crocodiles are not going to wait for the bird to slowly notice these sticks and come over, uh, they are going to more likely just go after the bird. (laughs) In your experience with crocodilians in general, but more so like American crocodiles, does this sort of feistiness play out in human care? Yes. um, Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) There is a wide range of kind of temperaments throughout crocodiles Um, As well as in human care, you'll get a wide range even within a species. Uh, I tend to call American alligators the closest thing we have to a domesticated crocodilian. Uh, And some of them seem to recognize it. Um, I've worked at a variety of facilities, most of them AZA accredited, um, which is kind of the highest level of animal welfare and care in the country. I really support AZA very strongly. But I did start out at a roadside place, which was not exactly accredited. And we had two uh, American alligators that I loved working with, a nine-footer and a ten-footer. Very different personalities. Really? Uh, the larger 10-foot male, we did what other parks will call a gator jumperoo show. It's kind of the colloquial term in Florida. It's hand-feeding an alligator uh, while kind of leaning over a ledge, just bare hand with a piece of raw chicken. Yeah, and you kind of let him, let him jump up and grab it. Yeah. Yes! I know what you're talking about. This is why I like talking to Floridians, because you know what a jumperoo show is. I know is. exactly what you're talking about, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 10-foot male, he was like, the closest alligator I, I've worked with over a dozen American alligators at various facilities in various ages. He is the closest thing I've ever seen to like a domesticated alligator. He did not want to come up and get it. He wanted you to toss it to him. He would get the very bottom of it and just barely pull it down. But he kind of wanted to wait for you to like throw him some chow instead. Like, <laughs> whereas the nine foot female favorite animal I've ever worked with. Um, because she would keep us on her toes. She acted like the Jurassic Park Velociraptors. Clever girl. Um, <laughs> she would not go for the chicken. She would try to go for your arm just above the wrist to pull you in as well as the chicken. <laughs> she sees a larger meal. Yes. So it and not only is it like a species variation, but comes back to that thing of just reptiles are on such a slower life than we are that we tend to miss these subtle differences unless your hand is over their mouth with a piece of chicken (laughs) and then you quickly see the difference which don't do that by the way (laughs) yeah do not do that unless you're a trained professional and even then maybe ask your employer about their osha violations Yeah, you know, we've we've been in many situations in which we have just kind of like, you know, been tubing down the river and floated right by a gator or, you know, been out walking at night and you shine a flashlight around. And, oh, there's two little eyes looking back at you. It's a little gator sitting right. In, and and the, the thing about them is like, if their bellies are full, they're probably not going to bother chasing you away unless you're close to their babies. What I always tell people is I've gone kayaking in Florida so many times and one day I accidentally hit a four foot gator with my kayak paddle and it just kind of looked at me like, oh, what did I run into? And just kept going. <laughs> um, so like 
don't go out and try to do stupid things with them. No, don't, don't go out and try to bother them to get a neat selfie. Give them their space, but they will also give you yours. De caveat I do give is gator mating season. Everyone is a little bit feistier, whether they're an alligator or a crocodile during that time and have a much bigger personal bubble. <laughs> Oh, another thing you mentioned about that is that the, the mamas do take good care of their babies, which is very endearing. It is amazing to think about these animals, these American crocodiles that are known for being the more aggressive of the crocodilians in the U.S. And they have this amazingly strong bite force, apex predator, and they will so gently hold their young in their mouth and will even help eggs that are trying to hatch, but the baby isn't strong enough to get out. A lot of animals... Sorry, kid. Circle of life. You didn't make it. Uh, crocodilians have been known to actually pick up that egg and ever so gently help it hatch in their mouth, slowly cracking it open with those immensely powerful jaws to help let the baby out without injuring the baby. Have you seen those YouTube videos of people trying to like open a beer can with like an excavator? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Where they're trying to like, like trying to use a piece of heavy construction equipment to perform an incredibly delicate task. <laughs> That's kind of what it reminds me of because you're getting these 10 foot long crocodile mouths that are full of teeth and armed with hydraulic powered muscles and trying to use that to very, very delicately open a little soft egg. <laughs> Yes, it is amazing to watch. And the eggs are soft and rubbery. It's not like a little chicken's egg, you know, like it's a it's a little collapsible egg. Yeah, it's much more difficult to get open gently. Do the babies make that little pew pew pew? <laughs> they do. They make the little Star Wars blaster sounds, I call them. I mean, at least they will give you that heads up, right? Like if you're like getting a little too close to the babies, they'll give you that little ear, ear, ear kind of sound. So like you have that, you they, they'll let you know, like you need to step away. So if you hear that sound and you don't start walking away. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a kid calling for mom. Like yeah. a stranger came up to your kid in the park. You're going to go after that person too. I never blame the crocodilians for doing that. No, oh, I wrote that into our uh, our D and D episode that we did. We did a D and D one shot, and uh, I wrote a little gator encounter in. <laughs> I love D and D. I'm gonna have to go listen to it. Where a lot of the human wildlife conflict comes from is just not understanding how to read what the other animal is telling us. Yeah, and I think once you understand, like, oh, that's a mother protecting her babies, she seems more relatable, and she doesn't seem like, you know, a mindless killing machine. That's just mama. Absolutely. The final category that we rate animals on is aesthetics, which is how nice is this animal to look at? Are they cute? Are they pretty? These can kind of be polarizing. I'm interested to see which way you're going to fall on this, but uh, what do you give the American crocodile out of 10 for aesthetics? So despite my love of them, I'm going to give them a five because it has hurt their PR campaign. <laughs> if you look at an American crocodile versus an American alligator, that American crocodile looks a lot scarier. They have that sharper body proportions, that you know pencil-shaped body with the pointed head. They have all of those snaggle teeth hanging out. They look scarier. They do look pointier. They look pointier. They look like they're going to hurt more. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, I feel like that is part of the reason why they don't get as much love as American alligator. I mean, people are still afraid of alligators, but they're also in Florida, a lot of our mascots on things. Think about University of Florida. There are the gators. Uh, you see a lot of businesses that are like gator cafe and things like that. Gators are really popular, whereas crocodilians in general, are already not known for being super lovable by most people's standards. Yeah, they're they're not very babyified the way that alligators are. They're really not. They don't have that puppy dog shaved head that helps them out. They are suffering. Uh, and so because of that, you don't get as much attention to their peril. I mean, they are still on the endangered species list. They've come up to vulnerable status now, which means they're getting close to getting off of that. But think about how American alligators are least concerned versus American crocodiles, which still have heavy protections for them. They are charismatic in a scary way, 
but because they have that monstrous, scary kind of charismatic appeal to them, it ends up hurting a lot of conservation for them because people are scared of them. They don't want these animals coming near them, especially with a lot of the range expansion starting to happen. Uh, we are seeing more and more human wildlife interaction in general throughout the world with climate change, but especially in Florida with the American crocodile coming farther north. We have to learn to coexist with them more. And if you see this thing that looks like your local pond gator, but scarier and sharper. <laughs> and it's harder to convince them, no, do not kill that vulnerable animal that could go back to the brink of extinction. We need to learn to give them space and they will help You know, those beautiful tropical birds that we love, help them come off that endangered species list too by protecting those nesting sites, as well as just keeping everything in balance. You like going fishing? Well, those crocodiles will help keep those saltwater populations of fish around those mangroves in check. So they're so important to us, but they scare people with their looks. <laughs> and they have the unfortunate coincidence of living in an area with a more charismatic crocodilian to compare them to. So that's why I give them a five. That is unfortunate. They are suffering from the comparison, unfortunately, for them. If they, <laughs> I'm sure that in places where the puppy dog of the alligator isn't right next to them, they might not suffer as yeah. poorly from that. You put them next to a Nile crocodile or a saltwater crocodile, and this becomes the puppy dog very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, we could leverage the alligator's reputation in support of the crocodile and like siphon some of that popularity off and just like rebrand the crocodile as just like their edgy brother you know like maybe this is just like their edgy teen like <laughs> version of the gator i love it i heard that emo was taking a comeback um so i feel like we could really really get that going with the american crocodile kind of that punk emo cousin of the alligator what kind of pop punk band can we get doing some work for oh, crocodiles i don't know about pop punk but i feel like the ska band big fish is just too good a pun to pass up for a fish eating animal i have been waiting dormant laying in wait all these years for ska to come back i know it's coming back i know it is it's just a question of when i've been waiting this could be the moment <laughs> I think the like, crocodiles could, uh, I think they could really get in on that, get in on the ground floor of the ska revival. I this is, here's another fan art. We got the ska crocodiles in there too. <laughs> we are really making these less charismatic animals more charismatic with their descriptions, and I am here for it. Uh, they are ska crocodiles in love. Yes. A ska crocodile wedding. There's your fan art prompt. <laughs> <laughs> with one of them picking flowers to be the flower girl. <laughs> Checkered wristbands and trumpets as far as the eye can see. Yes. <laughs> I did want to ask before we hop off, have you ever had an unfortunate uh, or unexpected run-in with a crocodilian in the wild? <laughs> I feel as a Floridian, uh, the answer is like, yes, on a daily basis. <laughs> um, honestly, the most unfortunate run-in, I have almost stepped on multiple while out hiking, um, but the big one I always think about is we were on the highway and there was a good like 12 footer that decided to just sunbathe in the middle of the highway. <laughs> what a power move. <laughs> and so it was more unfortunate in that it made us incredibly late and no one wanted to get out of the car to go move the 12 foot gator. <laughs> that's true because what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to bring to the table that's going to get this thing to move? Nothing. If they're sunbathing there, they're too tired to move anyways. I'm not going to drag that thing. I'm not that strong. It's not going to work. Uh, we ended up having to go off-road to get around it. And thankfully, didn't end up in like an accidental mud pit or something. Like Florida swamps on the side of the road tend to have to get you stuck. I think that's my most unfortunate run-in with them. Would be an American alligator. I've actually never seen American crocodiles out in the wild, um, but I would love to someday. <laughs> bucket list absolutely you know i really hope that we can get some more love out there for them so that they can have the same sort of turnaround that alligators have because they've been a real success story we need to spread that love around a little bit i think the more that we spread that love around and understand how to give them that personal bottle the better off we all are you get amazingly balanced diverse ecosystems out of it and a really cool punk rock neighbor that happens to be a reptile it is a great time, like living alongside really cool reptiles. It makes you feel like you're like living in prehistoric times. It makes you feel like you've like transported it into Jurassic Park. I mean, you just look around and be like, oh, there's prehistoric beasts crawling around on my porch. 
I mean, there's been prehistoric crocodiles in Florida for millions of years. So it really, it, some of them are ones that we currently see like American alligator. Others are kind of cousins of the American crocodile. But if you look out, you're like, here's this huge animal that is very similar to animals that were living in millions of years ago in this exact same kind of swampy location. Technically, there are dinosaurs surrounding us because birds are dinosaurs. It really makes an amazing picture of you get the prehistoric size and behaviors, as well as technically also having dinosaurs that are much smaller kind of hanging out above them on the trees. <laughs> <laughs> All good incentive to support your local punk rock scene, save the crocodiles. <laughs> I need that as a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> support your local punk croc scene. Yes. There it is. That's the merch idea. So before we hop off for today, I would love it if you could let our friends listening know where they can follow along with your work. Um, I, you mentioned to me earlier that you have your own podcast about animals. I know that's maybe not as family friendly, but that's fine. Uh, that one's maybe for the grownups. <laughs> but I would love for you to let our friends know, like, where can they keep up with your science communication work? Yeah. Uh, so the best place right now for me is Instagram at Alec Osaurus, <laughs> like a dinosaur Alec almost as well as my uh, science communication media collective, soon to become a com its own company. Hey, quick editing note. At the time when we recorded this, the name of the media collective Alec mentioned here was different, but it has been updated to Creature Feature Services. This is not to be confused with the podcast Creature Feature, which is hosted by a friend of the show, Katie Golden. You can see a link in the episode description below for more information. We have kind of a wide variation in the work that we do, but it's mostly using horror and pop culture as a way to teach about biology and nature. Uh, we have a couple of in-progress uh, podcasts and video series that might be live by the time that this podcast airs. One of them is going to be on Jurassic Park from a zoo and theme park employee's perspective of how that could have actually worked out well, um, <laughs> <laughs> as well as Monster Morphology, which takes uh, movie and TV monsters and talks about how their bodies could actually function in comparison to living animals. And those will both be more family-friendly, if maybe slightly scary topics occasionally. Our current live podcast, I do give the warning that has the explicit tag. It is called Zoo After Dark. <laughs> it was actually started um, from a running joke from my fellow zoo educators and I at a former zoo we used to work at, where we'd give these amazing talks and we'd be like, this is a really cool, fun fact about this animal that's so interesting and I cannot say it because there's always children in the room. Um, <laughs> So we call it like a zoo field trip for the adults. So I would give that warning on Zoo After Dark that if it is an adult-only uh, conversation about these amazingly weird and sometimes explicit things that animals do, they're absolutely fascinating that we wish more people would know about. Yeah, for sure. There's some uh, completely wild stuff going on under the hood of some of these creatures that aren't always the most appropriate for young ears. So <laughs> so maybe not the young ears for that one, but the other two, especially if a Jurassic Park or monster movie uh, member of the family, absolutely welcome to. <laughs> awesome. I will have links to everything in the episode description so that people listening can scroll down and click through and go see all the awesome, cool stuff. And it has been incredible talking to you and we will catch you later. Absolutely. Great talking with you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that this saltwater guardian will keep rocking on in your heart. If you liked what you heard today, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can also send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like us to talk about on the show. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other wonderful shows like the ones that you heard promos for earlier. You can check them out and learn more about the network and how you can support our show and keep us surviving and thriving. You can find all of that over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That is all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.